Okay, welcome, 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 welcome everybody to the first trauma and healing episode and welcome Marie Ryan. Hi Claudia, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you so much for being here. So Marie Ryan's going to be my first guest, um, highly experienced child and adolescent psychotherapist based in Dublin. Maria's expertise lies in providing psychotherapy and play and creative play therapy to children and teens struggling with behavioral, emotional and relationship issues. Not a small order, not at all. <laughs> it's a broad palette, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And you've over a decade of experience, so you've developed a deep understanding of each area, such as neurodivergence, disability, attachment. You've a, you've a keen interest in working with teenagers focusing on issues such as identity, intellectual disability, neurodivergence again, and anxiety. So this is where you're coming from today. This is what your this is what your whole life has been leading up to. <laughs> today. All this, this is experience. <laughs> yeah. Um thank you again for coming along. And for those who don't know you from Instagram and all your TV recommendations. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to train as a child adolescent therapist? And do you have any specialities? I know I've mentioned a few, but do you want to talk further on them? Um, so I I started training in 2005 in um, Children's Therapy Centre. <clears throat> um, when I started the course, I didn't realise um, what it was going to unfold, what I was getting into. Um, one of my friends parents spotted in me so um and she said I think you should be working with children and I was like oh I don't know and at the time I have um the pathway into therapy training is completely different now for children but back then it was a bit different and it was based for me it was based a lot on experience and I have a diploma I have a diploma in uh, radio and print journalism and I have a degree in telecommunications and electronic engineering through media absolutely the natural precursors to therapy but during my college training during secondary school during after college all my work was with children so I worked as a red coat in Mosney in the children's clubs as an entertainer I worked in Trabulgan I set up the I think I think they're still running Activates and Flory's Fun Club down there I would have set them up at the start and I spent a summer in America working in an eight week camp um, up in the Catskills doing um, a mixture of kind of a kids club, but it was doing video production and script development stuff that I wasn't really qualified to do, but I really, really enjoyed. I found myself over there. And when I came back, then I started doing part time work here, there and everywhere. And one of my part time works was working with a kind of a, a kind of a dance club. So I was doing kind of mini workshops for Feroiga, Bernardo's, doing kind of like they'd get me in for eight weeks and I'd do stuff like doing a dance, doing a quiz, doing a sketch, uh, maybe doing some sort of three part sing and dance thingy. So it I never really intended to be a play therapist. Um when I went in on the first day of the course though, I came out going, This is incredible. And I didn't know it that morning, but that evening I knew this this, is it. this, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person who said to me, I think this is what you should be doing, knows me very, very well. And she'd be um um her name is Eileen Prentival, and she would know play therapy really really well in Ireland she's probably one of the the major um play therapy child and adolescent psychotherapy people here in Ireland um I didn't quite know that's what she did when she told me um I know now 
and I yes. love it. And I'm really delighted I said yeah. yes. It was a good yes. <laughs> well, it sounds it. I mean, you know, everything, again, like I just said, you know, everything leading up to it, how did you get here? And everything was leading up to it. Everything was making, you know, walking into that room, you know, the perfect fit. Absolutely. I remember, like, speaking to her about six months beforehand, and I was really frustrated that, like, anywhere anywhere I went to go to do like a, a dance thing they were all leading towards competitions and I was like no 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 I want them to discover themselves and when I was down in Chicago when I was doing intake for kids clubs um like we would have had kids of multiple abilities and I remember one one week one week we had a kid and he came in with muscular dystrophy and I was like I'm going to shape every one of these activities so that he so that these all meet his goals and yeah. but I didn't know it at the time but I was just obviously feeling that all inclusivity and openness for all was, it was just part of my upbringing. I think it was just always there for me. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jesus, weren't they lucky to have you? Are we great crack? We'd great crack. I'd sure what? I can't believe it. I'd love them though. Cause I'd be like, I have an idea. And you'd say, they'd be like, like just get on board. Like it didn't take, watch everyone was down in holiday camps and they were completely on board with my, like they, ne- I never got to know. It was always like, where is this going to go? Cause it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very well supported down there. So supported. Yeah, very good. Very good. That's how I ended up in play therapy <laughs> training. Yeah, yeah. How long did the ther- or how long did the training take then from where you started to? I know it's an ongoing process, like it never ends. But how long does it take to? So to my initial training was three years, and then the masters wasn't developed at the time. So I came back a few years later to do the fourth, the masters, and that's when I did my thesis. In between that, then, I have done a diploma in sand tray therapy. I have done filial therapy, which is kind of a family-based therapy program. I've done CPRT, which is done by Sue Bratton in America, child-parent relational therapy. And I've also done uh, individual, or not individual therapy, but ch- uh, child-based therapy. So one child or two child from the same family and then group therapy training. Um, so, yeah, I've added on stuff as and then I've trained trained and qualified as a creative uh clinical supervisor for the last I think five years now okay so you've all the bases covered there you know you've the individual the family and even the therapist working with the the kids and adolescents then at that stage Absolutely. yeah okay okay so then I've come to the right person to ask the next question and that is can you talk about how trauma shows up in children and adolescents so for anyone wondering you know um I get even just from friends questions you know um I'm worried about my kids something's happened you know what should I be looking out for and you know what what would you tell them when I'm doing intakes of parents and usually by the time they get to me I've had a chat with them maybe on the phone but it's usually for me if so it's kind of two things there might have been a trauma and it might have been much earlier than a behavior or a a presentation I don't like using behavior but how they've changed um so there might have been a trauma or an impact something like something big happened a few years ago and you've noticed since then there's been a dramatic increase in in how they present or decrease they could have also gone in on themselves um and then what I'd be looking for outside of that if it's not a known trauma like say like a car crash or something like bereavement um I'd be looking for a pivot in how they present has there been a big change in their behavior in how they present in who they are has something changed that you're noticing parents 
are brilliant. Like as much as I can spot this stuff from my professional eye, I can sense it in a parent way more than my brain can kick in to do the, you know, the, the kind of um, assessment of what's going on. Parents know, parents know. And I think there's no harm even going for a consultation, not saying, can I, like, can I go on your waiting list? It might be more like, can I just have a chat with you? Can I book in for a consultation? I have a bit of worries. From my point of view, I have a lot of knowledge about child development and typical child development and atypical child development, especially in adolescence when it comes to um, discovering about puberty, discovering who they are, how they're forming, their gender, their identity, their sexuality. That's kind of stuff I'd be well used to hearing about. And I know sometimes for parents that could be all new. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's almost nice to have a sounding word going, you know what, that actually sounds fine to me. Uh, maybe watch out for this bit or I like, no, 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 I think that's OK. And then there's other bits where I'm like, do you know what, I'd be inquisitive. I'd be curious about that bit. Could we explore that more? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And you know what it is for the parents to trust themselves because they they're there day in, day out. You know, they will see something and they'll go, hold on, that's not that's off. That's, you know, there's something yeah. um, that's not my kid in, in, in the normal day to day. Such a gorgeous um, way of putting it. That's not my kid. Yeah. 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 So and I love that say, you know, about the consultation, because I mean, you know, it, it's very isolating as a parent. I know even uh, as parents, even when you're together, wondering, going, Jesus, are we doing it right? Is there something we're missing? You know, and ha- to have that consultation of going, this is what we're wondering about. This is what we're, you know, this is what we're being presented with. And we're, we're just want to ask a few questions. So yeah, great support even just on that. And it doesn't necessarily have to lead to the therapy side of things, but Absolutely. I think a calmer parent will lead to a calmer child. Yeah. Like there's, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dan Siegel. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. His books are so gorgeous, so accessible. So it's the whole brain child for children, I would say under nine. And I think, for brainstorm see I've, I've just met too many kids who've hit puberty at nine or ten and brainstorm is for the pubescent uh child adolescent so they're they're staples i literally if i look over your head they're there um right, so i'd be with yeah. them out the whole time poor parents i'm like hold on i'm just gonna print out some bits um yeah. and see can you actually talk about that then because that's one of my questions you know can you talk on how a child and adolescence brain is different to adults and how it impacts in the processing of trauma so and even just the, the natural process of going through uh, puberty how that can as you mentioned there the bra- uh, brainstorm so what's happening there um so it's a, a multiple of different things and it's different as well for each teenager um but the main mission uh to put it i think put it like i don't mean to be reductionist but the the easiest thing to say about a teenager is their mission is to separate from the parent and that can feel like a rejection in the parent child relationship whereas this is where the child will be forming their identity they need to associate and their mission, I always like to call it their mission, because I really do think they're like a gang on, a, on a, a mission to find peers who look like them, sound like them, listen to the same music. Now, this can change. I don't know about your teenage years, but this can change on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that rings about. So I have like friends who are brilliant, who loved musicals and love books. And then I had other friends who were into like the prodigy and dance music yeah. which I love. I'd love to be um, friends and I, I suppose it depends on what mood you're in and what you're connecting to at the time and all of that kind of de- just develops your range of you know interests. Absolutely and you think about the teenage brain it is so open to everything. Yeah. They are so engrossed in like I always think of teenagers as like they are always like 
I always think of Greta Thunberg, actually. Like, they're passionate about things. And I remember being a teenager myself, I was passionate about some things. And they get engrossed and they're really interested. And they can, they're so, like, clever. And stuff that they're into, they're really into. Like, teenagers are so brilliant to chat to. Like, they're so cool, you know. And they're interested in trying out everything. And they're open to everything. They haven't, you know, of course they can be judgy because, watch, teenagers can be judgy too, especially if they're outside. But they're still, they're, I think they're still quite open to everything. The world is new. It's fresh. They're obvi- uh, they're also um, very risk averse. Like, they don't think, they think they're like, um, they they think they're a bit immortal as well. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The world, like we've met the world, their brains are still developing as well. And for me, I think adolescence, in my experience, lasts up until about twenty-three. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um. And how do how then does that, that's the the normal kind of uh, development exploration? How would trauma affect that? Um. Again, it's it's person specific. Okay. But I think you might notice that they might be become insular. But then again, there's very introverted teenagers. Um, and it depends on whether something has happened beforehand as well. So it's um, it's different for everybody. But I think like that, you know your kid. You might see that there's a bit of difference. You might see that they're retreating from social activities. But like then there's neurodivergent kids who, who just aren't bothered with that and want to be online and want to hang out with people who like their certain interests so it can happen in the you know in outside world but also on their online world as well um yeah sorry go on no I think if you have any worries about like mental health stuff I think even liaising with your doctor is great if you're thinking like depression or anxiety maybe linking with your doctor as well is always good just to get They are sounding board and also I always think because we live in communities GPs are great that they they will, um, they know it's not even like to tell the GP that this is happening. It's also like to gain support from the GP that this is happening, you know? Yeah, yeah very true. I always, like my GP is incredible and I think she's an amazing support, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, there are some great GPs out there. And, and you know, even just from a family perspective, they know they've, they've probably seen the kid grow in the family. And even know different things that are going around so true. Uh, within the family, and yeah. to be able to, what I'd have been said, twig something. Um, so it's it's uh, it's been held whether it's been said or not. You might notice as well that the teen isn't happy to explore. Happy, they might be, or they might be presenting at an earlier developmental level. So when I'm doing an intake, not only am I thinking about the chronological age of the child, but I'm yeah. also looking at if there was a previous trauma, whether a death or a, a trauma of any sorts because trauma is different it's again it's person specific isn't it what impacts me might be very different to what impacts you but I'm also looking at the developmental age of the child when they were impacted because that might give me an idea so say if the child is uh anxious but maybe they had a big house move when they were two or three and the parent might be saying they're consistently sucking their tongue they're hanging on to me they they won't go anywhere they're nearly crying they're nearly getting into a tantrum that might tell me that you know what there's previous hurts from the past from that house move that are not getting um resolved and that might mean it's impacting their teenage uh exploration and um and development yeah, it gets stuck in some way. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just a small part. It might not be everything. 
It might just yes. be a small nugget because we need to think about development is like social, cognitive, um, physical, you know, the six parts. So it's even looking at all those parts. But again, chat to a doctor, chat to a therapist. We're going to have a much more broader um, yeah. kind of landscape to, to think about where the child is. That's a, you know, that's a really good point, you know, even just about you saying um, about that moving piece, you know, even to um, be able to go, OK, well, it's it's down to that smart. If we can unlock that, if we can, you know, open that up a bit, you know, it starts to move again. It starts. It's not being held in that place and the learning can go back in and the, the trust in the world can come back around because it's been resolved in a way that is, you know, OK for the child. You know? And it's interesting you say that because say if a child came into me like that, what I'd what I'd be thinking might appear in the play is that an earlier developmental level in play would come up. So a child coming into play therapy will, uh, particularly impacted by trauma, will replay a scene over and over and over again. And it's yeah. like us as adults talking about something. And just because we talk about something and we know something doesn't mean it feels better in ourselves. You know, you know, do we say like, in anything say like that house move well we we did the house move and it, it was grand but I'm like yeah but if that if that kid keeps on playing out a house move in my playroom and I literally have two houses because it happens quite a bit or say a separation between parents and if I see that being played out loads in the playroom now that's in the therapeutic relationship I'd be thinking yeah I think something and it's not for me to go oh it was this conversation that she had that's never going to be yes yeah, yeah, yeah. That to come out but I'd say there's a little bit of misunderstanding and like that something that might just need to be unraveled or explored and normalized that it's as to remember and think yeah. about a child who's two or three they're not going to have the cognitive understanding now that they have you know yeah so they have kid brain that's how they're understanding it say again sorry so they have kid brain and that's how they're understanding it we have to go back to that kid brain and going, what was your experience of that? And it's almost you like know? creating an atmosphere or in the trusting relationship that you can play any way you want in here. So I get some really big, huge guys. My door is tiny and I get some really big guys and they're down on the floor and they might be playing out of uh, something with puppets. And they were like, they might be going, oh my God, Marie, I feel ridiculous. I was like, keep going, you're too. And you start encouraging the play because... I'd be looking as well at the play development. Where was the play when this child got impacted by trauma as well? So interesting. Wow, that's very fascinating. So just sorry on that, you can see even the emotional age through the play of something stopped after that. So maybe, you know, whatever happened, it wasn't safe to play or they didn't have the... It's not even a safe to play. It's more disruption in the play. There might be just a cognitive distortion that is tweaked in that um, they might, like a big one is a car crash and kids might, be averse to playing with cars after that or being in the car oh yeah and then what I might see them do here is they might go back to something involving cars or trucks and it could be even moving um it could even be moving Sylvanian families or something like that and they're like I don't know why I'm doing this and I'm like just trust it because it might be the precursor to using the cars to reenact and it's not that every child needs to reenact the trauma it's almost about being in a safe place to 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 share uh, a feeling a dynamic or whatever was happening for them you know so the play now is helping them process it the play now is in my world toys are the child's words and play is their language yeah wow fascinating 
Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a child who comes into me and adolescence can be different, but I if if the trauma has occurred at an earlier developmental level, I'd definitely be looking. I'd be take. I don't have the chairs in here most of the time. They're just there for today. I've cushions on the floor. We're on the floor. All the toys are at nearly eye level to the floor. I'd be really encouraging down on the down in the hunkers, down on the floor to play and explore. That's a body memory then as well of being on the floor of being playing. Wow, very good. Okay, okay. Can you talk to me about what a touchstone story is then? You know, oh, I, oh my god, yeah. So this is, touchstone story is credited to Eileen Prendeville. She is the director of Children's Therapy Centre here in Ireland, and she came. Uh, she developed this as a way of introducing who I am, what I know about the child, and why the child is coming to therapy. So, you know, some. I don't see myself as a non-directive play therapist. I'm person-centered. I'm very blended. Um, so I actually start off the process with parents and I meet them for two, three sessions. It's me gathering insight into, you know, who this child is, how they are, who they were before a trauma happened and maybe what happened afterwards. And it gives me, it gives the child, it takes the onus of the storytelling of the trauma from the child to me. So okay. I know what's happened and I'm obviously going to use it in a child an age-appropriate language I'm going to make sure the story is going to meet their developmental level as well wherever they are and it's just like that just explaining to them um like I don't want to to reduce it but it's also telling me as well like their favorite things like what they like playing it also gives me an idea of what I might have in the playroom for them as well outside of the therapeutic touchstone story but say the first time the child meets me and they come in and I'll often say to the parents let them know like that I have a pink door um let them you know is there any toys here that they'd really be drawn to let them know I have like Sylvanian families or houses or I have like the sock game or something like that um you know let them know that I wear like bright runners or whatever they need and if they have any questions I'll, I'll say to the parents if they need to ask me anything like does she have dinosaurs comes up quite a bit oh very good some kids might ask um can you show me a video of the room and I of course will send them a one minute or whatever video yeah yeah, yeah. so they have an idea what to expect and then when they come in then I'll read them the story so it's usually like in something like this so it doesn't yeah. look intimidating or else I'll have it memorized off if it's for an earlier child. But say for some stories and experiences, I want to get the, I don't want to get the details wrong. So um, it, and then, then I'll ask the child at the end of the story, did I leave out any bits? And I've often had kids say, yeah, no, I was wearing an orange top and my lace was untied. Um yeah and my brother actually didn't have a coffee to cold or whatever you know kids are incredible um you know and yeah they're yeah so that's how the the therapeutic relationship will start usually well, it's, it's you know it's that piece it starts before they even get in the room you know it starts with a phone call um obviously from the parents but even from that including the main you're going to go and see maria and this is you know the pink door and all of that it's developed you know it's interesting them into this process before they've even got there and it's that it's that childlike thing of going oh Sylvanian families oh that could be cool you know um, and so. I'm explicit about that I'm different to um that I'm a person who helps it hurts and yeah. I'd explain to them that you know I heard a very hard thing happened 
I heard this happen to you and that's a you know that's a really hard thing to happen and sometimes when kids come here they might have muddled up feelings on the inside and it's my job to help you with those and all you have to do is play that's all you have to do that's literally all they have to do is just play in the way they want to play because the play sh- play processes play shows you know it's not I think you know as adults we're such language orientated where for children play is the way literally is the way wow fascinating yeah. and especially even for adolescents as well who who may have been impacted earlier they'll be like oh like that they're like oh, i don't know what i'm doing i'm like oh just give me i feel I, it feels good it keeps going you know yeah 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 it really speaks to the space you create for that to be allowed to feel safe for them you know to go oh jesus i don't know whether i you know in any other situation they probably wouldn't but being able to be with you um yeah fantastic yeah um, can I ask then what about the parents what about self-care for parents if they're you know they are worried and the kid has gone through something or what does self-care and, and actually what does self-care look like for the child as well yeah um for self-care it depends on what the family are presenting with um say if um commonly well yeah with say if it was a birth trauma um I'd encourage the family to get support around their own maybe therapy needs as well if it hasn't because sometimes when a child goes through therapy a lot of emotions can come up it's not linear it is uh it can feel really good at start and then when the processing moves into the processing stage of therapy it can bring up a lot of rough emotions and hard emotions and the child will, might become more challenging in the relationship so I'd often ask parents at the start just to tell me what they do for self-care whether it's you know some people go out on the bike for an hour on a Sunday some people are like no I need to get my nails done I need to or else I need to get on um you know I need to listen to an um a podcast or something um because their therapy is a process it's I you know I wish I'd say we, we it just gets easier but to unravel stuff stuff may have been may have been um you know it might have been hidden away from family members um but I I like to give parents like that I am supportive as well throughout the therapy process as well I'm meeting with the parent or parents or foster parents or whomever like I've I've had they're not in the room are they they're They're not in the room start for the therapeutic touchstone story and then I'll ask at the end of that the child would you like your parent to stay and they're like mm. and I'm like well they're in the car outside if we need them I have them on speed dial I can actually see your car from my house and they're usually okay bye <laughs> and outside and and that means as well in the play therapy or child and adolescence like a therapy process it is private and confidential as an adult goes to therapy and has a private and confidential process it's the same with the child now that doesn't mean that if something comes up in the child's process especially impacting safety I will be straight on to them they do not need to wait for me I am straight on (laughs) um and then in for parental reviews I'd be thinking about themes stuff to support the child I'd be thinking about maybe ways that I feel the child would feel um seen or heard or feel more involved probably the most self-care I give to families is connection children usually when they've come to therapy are feeling slightly disconnected teenagers can be a bit rocky with this one so it just means a little bit of investigation a small bit of exploration around what would meet it um children love to play so even 
what I'd ask parents often is there one time in the week where you can give 15 minutes to the child where they lead the play, um, where they you set out the toys on a mat and say, you're in charge, you're the boss of the play. And that's how the play therapy um, room works as well. The child is besides safety, but they're, they're, they're the boss of the play. And kids, whenever I go and do um, uh, a parent review, I'll often ask, is there anything I should tell your parent or parents or whomever? And do you know what they'd say? The most common thing is, I, I'd love to play. I love playing at them. And I'm like, what's your favorite? Okay. And if I, and I'm, I'd ask the child here, is there any game that I could say? And the, do you know what? They'd always say a game that's at home. It's not about buying a new game. It's usually like, well, actually, I love that time we played Monopoly. It's the remembering of it. It's a, yeah, it's the embodied sense of oh, that felt so good. I want to do that again with yeah, you. Because board like as long as you don't get too competitive they're great crack do you know what i mean it could be even connect four it could be connect four is brilliant like um like even it's more if, about the chat and the banter between them connection between and it, yeah and especially if it's like teens i think that can be really really fun yeah. you know um yeah. but it's it's different playing like to watching soccer together and you know um going getting nails I think that's fun but I think kids love like you know I don't know about you my Sunday evening is dictated by call the midwife and maybe happy valley at the moment and that's because then my friends are watching it at the same time and that's like my Sunday evening and it would have been like there's the connection exactly yeah yeah you get to talk about it afterwards or you even get to do the texting in the middle of it did you just see what I just saw but even in that, in the game, you know, having an adult as a kid going, okay, I see you. What is it you're interested in? Oh, I see you're really good at that. Or it's literally just being seen and heard. Some adult who's probably the most amazing person in their life for them goes, oh, let's spend time together. How special is that? Like when you have somebody in your life and they go, me and you, we're going and it's just going to be us. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I've asked uh, some parents to like block off if they could and watch I get it is busy out there but like some parents have blocked out an hour so say if the child is getting like really anxious or feeling you know just out of sorts during the week I might say to the parent can you block in like Saturday morning at 10 and get the child to decide and you might not be able to give them an hour on Wednesday at nine o'clock when you're putting three other children to bed and all that but it might be saying what can you think about what we're going to do on Saturday at 10 I really can't wait to see you I can't I can't, yeah. I can't imagine what you want to do and it's not about going to Smith's it's not it's not usually about going for coffee um or it might be just like going to the playground across the road and can we get like a hot chocolate afterwards or yeah. you know it's it's nothing usually structured I know a board game yeah. is structured but I'm, it's it's not usually like a big extravaganza or it's not like going to jump zone because usually in jump zone I don't know about you when I'm with my friends or I'm usually sitting on the outside no I am partial to a bit of jump zone um you're partial to what the jump zone you know or a bit of a, a, a climate frame I'm that ridiculous adult who will be like okay I'm gonna... <laughs> um, but I think it's more my profession yeah, yeah, yeah. um but even like some kids even want to go to the library and to be quiet with their parents together where you might have two beanbags mom's reading her like Sydney Sheldon or whatever yeah. and the kids are reading their Roald Dahl but it's their time together yeah you know yeah it's to know and I don't care how old you get it's to know you're cared for I care enough about you to spend this time in however way you feel is good you know yeah and, yeah and that you trust them. you know, let them be the boss so I trust you you yeah. know what you're about 
I love yeah. who you're becoming because, you know, you're going to see parts in your kids that were you as well, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, true. gorgeous. Kind of forget about that as we're growing up. And to ask another question about self-care then is, you know, the therapist then is really important in this as well. So you're holding a lot, you're, you know, there's a lot of uh, attention that you have to hold onto, you know, what has been played out here. Um, What is the self-care needed for therapists in this? Oh, it's multiple. I think it's, it, 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 it changes and it fluctuates, I think, as the lifespan of a therapist. Um, like it depends what's going on like obviously you need to be keeping up your supervision ratios if new stuff is coming into the room you need to be bringing that straight to your supervisor um I think as you get deeper into the work as well your knowledge of uh, psychotherapeutic dynamics transference counter transference uh projective identification they all start lighting up a bit more I think especially and then I think like I know when I had um you know, I had big news about three years into my therapy life and I galloped back to therapy. And then I had two bereavements in the space of 16 months. And mm-hmm. I knew, I knew after, and it was my, my favorite person in the world. And, okay. you know, sometimes I'd be like, no, 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 I can handle this. I can handle this. I'm a therapist. And I was like, no, I, I don't deserve, like, I think therapy is brilliant. Why would I yeah. not encourage myself to go to therapy? And then, I suppose I find great resources in like trainings, CPDs, reading books. I'm on an amazing book at the moment, uh, which is just lighting up my brain all over again. Uh, I think supporting that. And then there's time off doing and doing your notes, putting them away, having your boundaries, knowing that you're not picking up the phone after six o'clock. If that's when your day ends, not answering emails. Um, I suppose we, I suppose the, the job of the therapist is to be a helper and a giver, but we definitely need to mind ourselves and fill up because I think with trauma work especially can be like we're not robots. We're not computers. This impacts us. Um, yeah. Someone might be in the room that might have the exact same story as us. And whereas yeah. I think that's a really valuable thing because we will know them and they will know us. Do you know the way? <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> they will know that we have known this experience. So yeah, there's I think something in the energy. I myself am adopted and I think it is no uh, coincidence that I have had a number of foster adopted kids on my case. Right. I think throughout um, my, like how long am I practice in 2000 and 2005, graduate 2000. So like 15, uh, oh, it's not, yeah, it's 15 years. Um, <laughs> I, I, I usually have someone who has been in care or, uh, has gone through whether it's international or not or um, uh, Irish adoption it's interesting how stories pop up so to be mindful and know when to ask for help and know you know I think it's really good to have friends who are therapists even having a peer group but I think I love my friends who are not therapists and probably don't have a clue what I do and just think of me as yes. Ryan on Instagram who give, who watches a lot of television but I think yeah, yeah, yeah. in the background <laughs> You what? But I'd say they'd probably say I. They'd probably say she watches a lot of television and she shows a lot about music. I think. I think she works with kids. Yeah. Um, I guess something about that not having to be that. You know, mm-hmm. even for myself, I know. Um, you know, my my friends know what I do, but they have no idea what I do. But like, <laughs> I get to show up, and you know, how I act uh, with them is not how I act in a in a room. You know, yes. with, a, with a client and. I need that. Everybody needs that, you know, and it, it's a sense of freedom. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah, it is. There's something renewing about it as well. You just get to be yourself. 
And even yeah. as a child therapist, because I work with children whose development has probably been impacted, playing with my friends' kids is, and obviously I'm like, I'm not doing any therapy. I'm not, obviously not doing my day job, but um, hanging out with their kids because they're obviously like them as well, which is really cool. And they're crap, you know. So even keeping an eye on what typically developing children uh, um, yeah. development is like because otherwise I just think all kids are like the caseload and I'm like no they're not um, and obviously the healing process means that they'll come back into to, as typical developing you know move back yeah, very true. yeah. Um, I'm going to go back into a few um, asking a few questions on um, kind of around trauma and responses or states so um, yeah. what is fight flight freeze or fawn what do these terms mean and in terms of recognize them in a kid how would they show up if somebody was wondering okay um so yeah so what the fight flight freeze and fawn are typical trigger or emotional responses to when a child but it's i would see it's mostly in relation to a um um a response in relation to a trauma that's already occurred um so uh, flight is when the child will move into um, usually getting busy, not acknowledging what happened. Now, I'm conscious that when I say this, this is very kind of boxed in, whereas I'm thinking like, say I'm working with bereaved children. Say if I'm working with siblings, one child may be talking about it, the other one might not be. That doesn't tell me that the child isn't the child who's not talking about it isn't processing it because the other child might be doing all the talking. And I'm sorry, yeah. I'm saying that from personal experience because I was a talker. Um, yeah. But yeah. they can look like they're not engaging, they're not recognizing, they're not um, talking they're about it. Down. It looks like they're shut down, but actually. Yeah. Freeze, yeah. I think, is more shut down. Mm-hmm. For me, freeze is when um, they introvert, they move in. They become um, disengaged in a relationship. They become sad. You you know, I think freeze, they, they might become more tired. They might become more withdrawn. I'd usually see like a difference in, um, um, you know, they might become more paler. Um, fight is is really, is, do you know, fight is great because it's it's really obvious. I think the more obvious one is is the physical ones that we see so that's fight they might become more aggressive they they might and it, it to link it is is can be tricky because it might be like well maria we had a fight in the car and then i might be thinking god is this related back to the car crash were they on mm. the roundabout and was the roundabout two hours ago but this has been building and building and building and building and next thing they're kicking the back of the car the, the seat in the car so yeah. that's more physical it's more aggressive um it's more explosive behavior and then fawning and i'm not too sure like fawning i think is new to the trigger responses um where they can they they identify more with someone else they Mm -hmm. start becoming codependent they see themselves so i i see this sometimes with teenagers but again it's you know i'm thinking about the mission of the teenager where they all kind of look the same and dress the same but it's also um no boundaries no idea of their identity, no idea of who they are. They 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 kind of go with the flow with everybody else. But then you mean sometimes it's the characteristic of a child rather than a trauma response. Yeah. As you say, the context really matters, the context yes. of what we're talking about, you know, not just because you're looking at um, whatever, like a random child and going, oh, they're fawning or oh, they're shut down. It's actually, no. There's and a it lot might be that they were very like, 
they were very quiet. They were, you know, like a good kid. And next yeah. thing, they are just exploding over like toilet rolls not being in the right place and stuff like that, or something that you're like, that's that's not them. Again, that's, the parents, you know, even for a therapist, we're like thinking, and you know, as a parent, you're like, no, your child. Who's your child? What are they like? Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, just how. Um, trauma works how the different ways it can come out and everybody as you you know you've been rightly pointing out since the beginning of this chat is that for every child it's different for every presentation it's going to be you know the context of what we're talking about whether it is actually rising to the level of trauma or or distressing experience or what it, whatever it is you know even as as I imagine parents would be like oh it's this and this is what we think is going on and for you to be holding all of that going well actually it may not be Let's sure. see what the picture is. Let's see what the play comes out with. Let's see what 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 is unfolding. As you say, birth trauma might be being played out, and nobody might know. Yeah, you know, it can yeah. go back to, or it can go back to, as you say, a teenager being a teenager and allowing that. You know, supporting that. In fact, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I might say see that. Like, I think okay, I think this is just this is typical. It's not easy being a teenager at all. <laughs> so no. um, I think that's when it's good to have like brainstorm beside the bed to go through. Cause then at least it's supporting you as a parent going, okay. And then obviously what I'd be thinking then, if it goes on for a prolonged stretch, if you're thinking, no, 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 this isn't moving, this isn't changing. No. I think this isn't, this isn't, so I wonder if something happened. Um, then I think no harm ringing a professional and getting their advice. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing. So, okay, so the next question I was going to ask you was, do you believe it's possible to heal? Oh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yes. Like, I think there's different levels of healing. I think, like, um, because, yeah, I do. Sorry, I, <laughs> I don't have to go. I think I was emphatic there. Yeah, and it's not because I do this as my job. It's because I'm, because I'm trained, because, and during the training process, you to engage in therapy. And as I grow <laughs> older up I'm not too sure if I'm growing up but um because I see how therapy and that new stuff can emerge throughout your lifespan as different development because even as adults we're still developing like um new stuff can come up we can remember stuff we can stuff can get activated by a new relationship by by um by someone else coming into our family yeah but I do think it I think um yeah healing happens and healing is is yeah I'm a big fan of it I think it's deserved I think there is I I I like to think now that you know I think there was such um maybe a stigma on mental health and I think the the talk around trauma and the the uh, I think the trauma used to I don't know about what you what you and went through growing up or what you heard but I always thought of the people at the center of major trauma cases that there might have been a little blame shame guilt on them and I think now it's it's moving out that actually helping that person helping the people involved um yeah I think yeah I think there's there's very important uh conversations going on I'm going to mention something that's that's kind of controversial at the moment depending on what way you fall down on the side of it but um Harry's memoir uh Prince Harry and his memoir and he talks about you know growing up under the um the lights of cameras but also under the death of his mom and all of that and 
you know, as a therapist, I'm reading it going, my God, that must have been so hard. The lack of support, nobody talking about it, all of this sort of stuff. And seeing him as an adult and things play out as the adult. As you say, the roundabout was two hours ago and the the acting out was, you know, the kicking of the back of the out of nowhere, it seems. But actually, it's never out of nowhere. And I think if we can have more and more conversations of that, you know, going back piece of going, but look, look at their experience. Like I'm, I'm just using that as an example because it's topic of everybody's conversation. But like that, even for me, it was like, um, yeah, it wasn't until years later. And even at that, I didn't understand it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, well, I'm fine. You know, those things are fine. I They didn't bother me because, um, like I, I think I was shut down or I was just like closed off to it. That's how I survived it. That's how I got through it. That's how, that's what I needed at that time. And, you know, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, you think about a child's developmental brain as well. They might, like the, the brain develops from the back to the front yeah. and this is the cognitive part. And that doesn't, like we don't get rules in our world developmentally until after seven, eight, nine. That's yeah. when we start working out the world is then yeah. before that we are really egocentric and think everything revolves around us. I once um, had a kid come in and he was uh, mid process and um, he was coming for bereavement and I have, I have permission with this. And um, he told me he thought the reason his granny died was because he broke her vase that day. Oh gosh. I yeah. know. I know. I was like, Oh, and, but that's what he carried with him. And I think, yeah, that's what he remembered as a, a very clever three or four year old. But when you think about the brain development of a small child or even in utero, then then it's going to feel really confusing to the brain because the brain wasn't at the point of development to understand what was happening to the body. So you can be in a shopping center and going, why do I feel re or like actually um, uh, like some people um, born in into institutional care can get um, um, can can feel weird sensations in their body around bleach and cleaning. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, and, and lacquer on floor. Nonsense, yeah. Yeah, because they would have been surrounded by that. Yeah, like, the body knows what that language was, you know, yes, the smell. Yes, that body was taking in that. So our bodies are like little porous objects the yeah. whole time. I know we're um, we're watertight, but um, we, 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 uh, we, uh, we're absorbing all the time. And even though, like, those kids didn't know that's what that was, but like, yeah, no, it's come up a few times when I've been talking to other people. Yeah, I'm a big, yeah, I'm a big proponent of, you know, listening to the body. And even if you don't know what's been said, trusting that something is trying to be communicated and holding that as gently as you can. Yeah. And, um, you know, as much time as needed because that terrible frustration of going, I just want to get over this. I just, I don't want to be thinking about this. I don't want to be feeling this anymore. And it's horrible. Oh, but like it's something. We all know what it's like, whether, you know, you're as a teenager and obsessed with whomever and they don't even look at you. Like that's typically developing. Imagine what it's like when something else is just, yeah, just can't be understood because it's, it's, it's in your body. Like, um, that's why. And not having the words. Say again? Not having the words. Absolutely. And for that, then I'm, that's why play is brilliant. And I suppose even when I'm with parents and they might have experienced something when they were small and I might say, close your eyes and can you show me? If it feels safe enough, can you show me? It doesn't have to make sense. Just yeah. if you can show me. Or can you point? You can see here I've got um, a whole range of symbols. I've got a sand tray here on the ground. Um, it's part of the playroom. But I might say, can you pick out something that might um, symbolize something or symbolize yeah. that part? 
and obviously we'd be putting some safety bits around it first and then yeah. seeing where does that fit in or how does that fit in or and it doesn't even have to make sense at least like the, the goal of therapy is to get internalized modeled externalized so it doesn't have to make sense yeah. we don't always have to put words to it um yeah. but sometimes by just moving it from inside to outside that's part of the process too you know yeah oh yeah fast i love it yeah because when you see it work I mean I work with adults I don't work with children but like when you see that you know um when you have that trusting piece between uh, you and your client and it's like it doesn't have to make sense just go with what's there you know as long as it feels safe go with what's there and then at the end of it you know well how was that and you're like oh my god I didn't know I was holding that I didn't know what that was but I actually feel better you know what was that you know trying to put the meaning on as you're taking it out putting it on the outside and then trying to put meaning on it afterwards sometimes you can't sometimes you can't but actually having it out and allowing it uh, even that far is such a weight off Um, and you can see it even visibly at times yeah yeah Okay, so if somebody was wondering, you know, what was, um, what were they to expect in the first session with you or the first couple of sessions, you know, can you give a general picture of how therapy starts? Yeah, so when parent or parents or guardians come into me, usually I'm just getting a background of why why they're here. How, mm-hmm. how do you think I can help? And sometimes for whomever comes in, it might be that something specific has happened. And sometimes they might be just at the end of their tether and they don't know what's happening. And it's just for me to yeah. hold. And sometimes I have to be mindful about not being curious, just letting that spill and be. Yeah. And for me to hold it and to me feeling the honor of holding the story, not only the child, but the parent or whoever, whoever is in front of me and how yeah. this is impacting. Because usually it's not just impacting the child, it's usually impacting the family. Um, yeah. And to pick, going from there, it's just um seeing where I suppose my clinical decision making is in from the first but it's usually given that parent space to give time to the story or to the experience or to the child in whatever way so it's just the parent or the parents on the first session mm-hmm. um and from there then I'm making kind of a plan whether <clears throat> excuse me again um how to proceed and it's usually one if not two more intakes mm-hmm. setting up self-care setting up boundaries for an expectation seeing how I can help if I'm the right person sometimes I'm not sometimes yeah. I'm not and that's not personal I'm just not the right person and I'll try and get them to someone who can help and who is much better than me to help them with this um with where they are and um then we I suppose usually I'm looking at um collaborating with them and building the therapeutic touchstone story and seeing seeing yeah. how we can go and creating a lovely safe space for this this family, this child, move to play. It sounds nourishing, even on the you know, on the intake side of things. You know, as you said, there holding even the parents' piece. That might be the first time they've been able to say it to somebody fully. You know, um, the fear of that judgment of you know, if I say it to a friend, if I say it to such and such, will they judge? You know, that my fr- my kid isn't doing okay and and blame me for that, or you know, there's so much being held and never mind just the worry of going. You know, is there something? You know, I notice a change and I'm really worried. And having somebody like you hear that and go, okay, yeah, like we can we can do this, we can hold this, we can you know, or even just to say, 
yeah, I've, I've heard of that before, or I'm familiar with that, or, you know, it's not the worst case scenario, parent. No, adolescents will always come in and say, you've never heard this before. And I'm yeah. <laughs> okay. <Wow. laughs> um, I wouldn't be saying that to them, but I'm like, I, I've heard yeah. of it. And then I might give them just an idea of where I've worked and what I've done and what I've worked, who, what kind of people I've worked with, just to give yeah. them a sense of security, give them a sense of... Well, they've told you something there, haven't they? They they are going to they're going in with the expectation that you're going to be shocked and you're going to be you know um, upset with them maybe or you know they're, you're going to judge what they have to say. They, they've already told you that's what they're holding even in telling the story, you know. So yeah, and I like the way you you know you meet that going well. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit of what I have worked with, you know, and it, that opens it up for them to go. I might even oh. name things you know yeah yeah fascinating okay 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 so then for anybody who has been listening today and going oh jesus i'd love to learn more about this i would you know um thinking of my own child or i'm thinking about having children or just to you know a a therapist who's in training or thinking about training Mm -hmm. um and i know they're two different pieces probably but what book or resource would you recommend uh if people wanted to know more Okay, so for parents, I'd definitely be looking at Dan Siegel and The Whole Brain Child and Brainstorm. I just think, you know, the poor library next door to me in Rohini is played because I just, just (laughs) because probably because I'm in North Dublin, I think there's a lot of copies going around there, but it's a great book. I just invest and I think they're great just for giving parents some stability around what's typically developing. Um, Dan Siegel, um, his work is really new. It's really up to date. I think his language is really accessible. And I think for anyone who wants to maybe move into play therapy or child and adolescent creative therapy, um, this book is ancient and it's certainly not the, um, the, the, the be all and end all, but it was the first, the first two books I read were Virginia Axeline and she's very non-directive and I wouldn't say I'm that, but there's play therapy by Virginia Axeline and then there's dibs in search of self. And naturally, oh, yeah, I've heard of that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I read Dibs first and then read um, Play Therapy second. Um, mm. But she gives, like, the tenets of play therapy. And it's, watch, it's, I think it's, it, it, it's, move, it's moved, but she's definitely, like, Dibs gives you, um, you know, a, a kind of idea of how therapy is. I think another person I'd be recommending is Gary Landreth's The Art of the Relationship. Um, he is kind of the... The, the godfather, the grad, he's like one of the spearheads of play therapy in America. He would be quite non-directive as well. Um, but I think when the, when you're thinking about play-based psychotherapy for children, they're great places to start. And I met okay. Gary a few years ago and he's, you know, I think it, I think there's even like YouTube clips. I'm not too sure if they're still up with Gary um, and okay. playroom. And it even gives you an idea of what a playroom looks like. You can kind of see mine here as well. Not I so. might put them in the show notes and I'm going to put the names of the books that you just recommended and if you can find those YouTube um, clips I'll put them in the show notes as well if anybody is interested in having a look so yeah they're um, they're great recommendations I do love Dan Siegel and uh, the whole brain child I read you know I think it was about two years ago um, and I really did I was, I was any any of my um, friends who had kids I was like you have to read this um uh okay so then okay if anybody does want to find you and uh, for anybody wanting to get in touch what's the best way to do that um email is probably the best i'm i think okay. if you pop into google maria ryan therapy you'll see a little pink door and my details are on the website there okay. i'll add them on 
Thanks. And yeah. anybody who needs to get in touch, um, they can do that. And anything else you wanted to say before we? No, it's been gorgeous chatting. This is great. Yeah, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, you, what did you say? You were reading a book at the moment that was getting your brain firing. Well, that's what's happening with me going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So, yeah. I really Do you need to know it. that book? Oh, sure. If you want to, go on. It is Trauma and Recovery by Judith Lewis Herman. Herman, do you th- oh, I read it um, maybe a year ago. I'm oh. doing a postgrad in trauma studies, and oh my god, wrote a paper on just fabulous. Her stuff is fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. yeah, and the historical element of how I know. Trauma, yeah, yeah, and the feminist movement. Sorry, we're we're going on to a whole different podcast now. But so it, we are. It, it, it's bathing my soul. It's bathing yeah. my soul, and I'm finding her. I'm listening to her as well as reading her. So she's coming around North Dublin on a few. <laughs> at me she's great company great very company. good god yeah. help anyone who stops me on a walk I'm like huh <laughs> yeah 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 very jarring going from that <laughs> I know yeah hi how's your dog <laughs> um okay yeah I'll add that in and uh Maria thank you so much that was fantastic I think people will get a lot out of that uh, anyone wanting to know you know just what it's about even just wondering about you know their own kids or you know, just having questions. So I think you'll have answered a lot of people's okay. questions today. So um, beautiful. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Okay. Talk to you again. Bye.